0: Hey, what's happening, good people? This is your boy, Marv and we got Mo Lane, and we are The Beard Always Wins. The Beard Always Wins It's the movement, it's the lifestyle, and more important it's the podcast, people. And we're so grateful and thankful that y'all are listening, to. And remember, you can find us anywhere that you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, Podbean, uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, and do us a favor, like, share, and subscribe. And uh, today, we have a very special guest today. Uh, young man, I'm going to still call him a young man, uh, that I've known... Probably since 94, so close to 30 years, and uh, I'm, I'm just happy to call him friend. Uh, I watched him ascend through the coaching ranks, and right now, uh, he is the head coach for TL Hanna. Uh, I think he's had, had a winning season every single year he's been there, uh, even played for a state championship, I believe. And yeah, so the beard always wins, likes to welcome. Coach Jason Tone, and yes, he does have a beard, because if he didn't have a beard, he wouldn't be on the podcast. That's why it's called The Beard Always Wins. So, Coach Tone, Jason, how you been?
1: Doing well. I appreciate you having me on here. I'm blessed beyond measure.
0: Amen, man. Amen. And uh, we got Mo Lanes back in the building. Mo, you've been on hiatus a little while.
2: Yeah, man. I have uh, <clears throat> been moving around a little bit, but I'm, I'm I'm glad to be back and enjoying the beard always wins.
0: Yeah, like that appreciate it, man. And uh I think you said you were living you, you've been living your best life in the world's little Duval, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Are right, we getting any truffles over the weekend or what? No, I didn't man, but I did hit
2: up some nice spots down there. I was in Tampa,
0: Florida this this uh this weekend and hit up some nice spots down there, so it was good. All right. So uh the first thing I wanna talk uh like I say, give give Jason the flowers. Uh so Jason you was recognized I think you won coach of the week and you was recognized at the Carolina Panthers game. Um and that's a big honor. I saw you got the football Every time they pass out the white footballs with your name on it, that's a <laughs> that's that's a really big honor right there. Um and then but to get uh to get actually, you know, recognized at the the Panthers home game had to be amazing. I saw the, you know, the, the videos of you and your son playing catch, uh, with the, some of the, well, the Panthers and Bills players, I, I think. So, okay. Uh, you just kind of Broncos.
1: Yeah.
0: Can you just kind of tell us, uh, Oh yeah, it was the Broncos. I'm sorry. Uh, can you tell us, uh, you know, just a little bit about that experience?
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was really good. You know, the, the Panthers, they treated us all like royalty. There was, I think five coaches from South Carolina. Um, and then, uh, I think four from North Carolina. And, and basically what they do is is they, they pick coaches throughout the year and then it's their coach of the week deal. So it's the their home game, their specific home game that week that they recognize the coaches throughout the year. And, uh, so I was blessed to be a part of I think there was eight of them there, uh, coaches that uh, they treated us, like I so said, like royalty. They gave us uh, on-the-field passes. They gave us uh, – uh, luxury box, a luxury suite where we got to sit and watch the game. And, uh, you know, um, at halftime, we went down and got honored, you know, on the field. Uh, but it was just a really, really good experience. Uh, my son had an absolute blast and then my wife and daughter had a fun too. You know, they gave us two free tickets for them too, even though they couldn't join us in the box. Uh, they had two really, uh, really good seats and they had a good time as well. So it was really good atmosphere. And again, they did a good job. It's something that Matt Rule started when he got there, and uh, you know, Coach uh, continued to to that tradition. And, and it was just, it was, it was a really, really, really cool thing. And they gave our athletic departments a thousand dollars, so you know, I got the school some money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know they ain't turning that down. Uh, you got anything more? Anything you want to ask real quick?
2: No, that's that's awesome. I, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I was I was not aware of that, but that's uh, that's. That's first class for the Carolina Panthers organization. And kudos uh,
3: kudos to Jason Tone, man. A, a first
0: class guy getting first class trooper. I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised at all. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty big. I, pre- I, I appreciate you sharing that, man. And, uh, and one other thing like uh, that a lot of people mm-hmm. might not know, because they, they, everybody's like, man, any time a coaching job opens up and they ask me who I want the coach to be, I always say Jason Tone. And um, it don't matter if it's uh, the Cowboys, uh, Georgia, Georgia Tech. It don't it doesn't matter at all. I always say Jason talking. I say you want somebody to come turn turn your program around, and hire hire Jason. Um, and I I told Jason if he takes a certain job, I I, I will I will be the new Smiley. Um, so y'all insiders know who that is. Uh, <laughs> I'll be the new Smiley or AKA the Get Back Coach, somewhat. So um, so so just to kind of. Uh, take from what I know uh, so you started as a somewhat as a, a community coach uh, right out of high school which is something that I didn't know until like a, a week or two ago so how was that experience like actually coaching the team you just left like you just like it's we 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 finished up the season and then you're actually still in school and you're coaching your teammates
1: yeah, it was, um, it was awesome. You know, like coach Miller, you know, he called you know, your senior year, he calls you in and he's like, he's like, he's like, uh, Jason, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I said, I know I'm not going to play college ball. You know, I was, I was five nine, two hundred 200 pounds. I wish I was 200 pounds now, but I was 200 pounds then, um, you know, and so I knew I, you know, offensive line wasn't in my future anywhere. Um, and I told him, I said, man, I just love football. I want to be around it. I, I think I want to coach. And, uh, you know, Coach Miller was like, "Well, you know, you need to, you can help out with our ninth grade team this spring, and uh, I'll, you know, I'll pay for your community coaching classes." You know, there was three classes at the time that you had to take in that summer. I signed up for them, and you know, and uh, you know, the Lounge High Athletic Department paid for it, and I uh, got my certification and started coaching. You know, uh, and, and it wasn't that big a. Uh, I mean, of course, it was learned. I was a terrible coach. I mean, you know, your first year, right? I mean, I was terrible, but um, but the experience was was invaluable. You know, I had five years of on the job training before I ever got a degree and got got into the workforce. So um, those were very valuable years for for me. Uh, but it, it wasn't weird because those kids were middle schoolers that I was coaching. You know, it was that spring; they were eighth graders coming up to practice, and I was coaching them, and so. Uh, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't anything, uh, extremely, you know, like I said, I wouldn't have known them. They didn't know me anyway, uh, unless they came to the games, you know, and nobody paid attention to the offensive line anyway. So, uh, they looked at you skilled guys more than they did us big boys, but, um, uh, but it, it, uh, like I said, uh, you know, I'm, I was forever grateful for, uh, coach Miller extending that invitation, uh, to me. And, uh, in fact, uh, You know, last year, I made it a point, I called him and uh, thanked him for, uh, you know, getting me started into where I've been because it wouldn't have, uh, uh, you know, who knows what I'd have been doing had he not called me in his office and kind of, you know, led me on that path to be a coach.
0: And and you know what, speaking of like uh, on that path, uh, you actually went and took over the head, your first head coaching job was at Worth County, where Coach Miller came from. So, did he give you any advice before you went to Worth County or was he just like, hey, you're on your own now?
1: No, he, you know, he didn't really give me any advice. You know, of course, when you're applying for head jobs, you always you know, it's it's about who you know. Uh, so, you know, when I applied, I called him and was like, hey, coach, I'm you know, applying at Worth County. I'd appreciate it if you would give me a good recommendation or whatnot. And he's, he's like, I mean, there's there's Jesus, and then there's like Bill <laughs> Miller in Worth <laughs> County. I mean, he is an absolute legend, and uh, he called the uh, the chairman of the board, and that and that's the main reason I got the job. You know, again, he got me started in coaching, and he got me my first head job. You know, and so I'm forever grateful for Coach Miller, and uh, you know, he always has a special place in my heart. Yeah. So let me ask
0: you, let me ask you. uh this go around the room too. My what's your your favorite Milk Miller story? <laughs> so it's,
2: it's probably a lot of Milk Miller stories um, that I probably can't share on this uh, on this platform. <laughs> but um, my favorite Milk Miller story was not an entertaining. It was one where uh, it was a conversation that I had with him, and I don't even know if anybody was around. It, it might have just been a one-on-one conversation. But I remember being maybe like in the ninth or tenth grade, and. Uh, Coach Miller kind of pulled me to the side uh, and and said, you know, hey, he, he was giving me basically giving me kind of a uh, a pat on the back saying, hey, you're doing a good job, right? Uh, but he also let me know that in order to be a leader, you don't necessarily have to be the loudest voice in the room. I mean, he said it in his own words, but that was the message that he was trying to get across. And he basically saying, hey, you can lead by example. You can lead the way that you lead. You don't have to be like another leader that you see in the locker room or like an upperclassman or you know, some of the juniors and seniors that were around. And um, it was again, it wasn't a very big, you know, uh rah rah conversation, but it stuck with me. And I think at that 14, however old I was, I think at that time, it was probably the most impactful conversation that I had with Coach Miller because you know, we both we all know Coach, Coach Miller, Miller could get kind of fiery at times. So um, that was one. Of, that was one of the times where he was a little, a little more mellow, and it, it kind of impacted me um,
0: throughout my, my, my whole career,
1: basically.
0: Yeah. What about you, Jason?
1: Favorite Miller floor? Uh, s- s- speaking of fiery, his nickname in the coach's office was Mountain Vesuvius because you didn't know when he was going to erupt. So uh, that, that's that's kind of funny, but. Um, uh, you know, again, my, one of the funniest stories to me was, you know, we were uh, we we were we were losing at Benedictine and he walks around the corner at halftime and he goes to kick that like cup on the ground or whatever. And he and he slips and falls <laughs> and like Buck Bueller's like, coach, you're all right. And he just he's just like, yeah, get off me. You know, I mean? but, you know, that was that, that, that was pretty funny. You know, uh, he just, you know, he had a way. Uh, another one that, uh, that, that gets me. And again, I, y'all might've been in that locker room, but I remember I wasn't, we were freshmen and it was, we were at Bainbridge and at halftime we were getting freaking drummed, but we had, you know, dominated or whatever the Thursday. And he walked, he walked by us and he said, freshman, I don't want y'all in there. Y'all, I don't have anything against y'all. In fact, y'all be ready to go to start the second half. And I, and, I, and then he walked off, and I was like, what, are you kidding me? Because <laughs> our varsity was getting drummed, and he's going to put us in there. But he didn't, and I heard he went in the locker room and let them all have it. But uh, I wouldn't know because I was outside, so. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: like it, it's, it's funny when you say that because I remember I was we was walking into the locker room, and when he says that, somebody grabs me and pushes me out the way. And then he, tell, he says exactly what you said, and I'm just like, oh, wow. But I'm still trying to listen to what he's saying. Like I want to, you know, I'm li- I'm listening for a pissant or uh, whatever to come out. But <laughs> n- never did hear my 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 favorite Milk Miller story, and it was one when he got on to me. Um, it was our s- sophomore year we were playing Valosta, and you know we had those Rydell cleats, those white Rodell cleats. Um, if you weren't a starter in skill position, you didn't I get tops. Yep. So you di- you didn't get. Oh. Um, you didn't get the, the good Nike cleats if you weren't a starter. Um and I wasn't a starter at <laughs> a sophomore. So I remember I decided to to wear my black cleats, right? And uh I pulled the sock the white sock over it, you know, put a little tape around it. And because I'm thinking, "Hey, I'm looking good. I know I'm going to get in the game, but it's whatever." So we're going through 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 warmups and he's like, "I'm on. Come here." And he's like, "You just got to be a freaking individual, don't you?" And I was like, <laughs> what you talking about coach and he he steps on my, my foot he like literally steps on my foot and I'm like I'm looking at him he's like that's what I think about you individually it don't matter and you like, like be a part of this team and don't change the damn you. <laughs> and I was like alright coach but like I, I didn't get it at that point in time but I got it a little later you know, I was like, okay, so the message he was just trying to convey is that, you know, we're, we're all the same. You know, everybody, he wants everybody to be alike, but, and to just be a part of the team. You don't have to, like, your, your player make you stand out, but just be a part of the team. And that's what I, that's what I took from it, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, M- Miller, man, that, that guy there, that, that, that guy there was something else. Uh so let me ask you this question, Jason. Um, what made you a believer in the wing tee when nobody else runs it? What made you
1: say? you Well, know I, I tell you what. Uh, Randy McPherson took over uh, after Coach Miller retired, and that, and you know Coach McPherson again another uh, guy that's you know amazing. Um, he takes over with no spring practice. With, you know, switching offenses You know, we go from being multiple Eye gun, I mean I, I really thought Dip Davis was ahead of his time Looking back now, kind of ahead of his time Because we were into gun, we ran some Shallow cross stuff Like, you know, like VSU and different stuff And I thought, I thought you know Again, in Georgia, you know, the spread Wasn't a big, a big deal Yet, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s Not like it is now, of course But but Coach Matt comes in there and and puts and installs the wing tee. And, you know, Rob Armstrong and Bill Wiles, uh, they, you know, they took time to teach it to me. And and, uh, the thing I like about it is the simplicity coaching wise, it's got answers, you know. Uh, And again, it's still about execution, but, you know, you're trying to, you you know, you're trying to come up with, you know, in, in any offense, you're trying to come up with answers for what the defense is doing. Uh, but these answers are, are, it's almost like a cheat sheet to me, you know, and again, you still got to, you know, the kids have to execute, but uh, getting to the uh, the right play or finding the right series, it just makes it, you know, almost dummy proof, I feel like. And the, le- the little, you know, nobody runs it anymore, so the little time you see it, the harder it is to prepare for it, you know, so... Uh, those are some reasons why I think it, you know, again, there's a reason that the offense has been around since 1950 um, because it, it's successful. And, uh, you know, even these gun teams, you know, Gus on when he was hot at Auburn as offense coordinator, well he started out as a wing T coach and then made it into the gun package. And he was running the same plays we're running from the gun, misdirection, you know, buck sweep, all that stuff. In fact, I went, to their spring practice, and watched him when he was installing it with Cam Newton and all them. And he would talk to us, and he was like, "Yeah, I was a wing tee guy. You know, I was at Camden at the time when, uh, uh, you know, when we were talking about it. But it just intrigued me watching him run it from the gun and stuff like. That, and just how timeless the kind of the series and the system is.
3: Okay, we ran Thanks.
1: some wing tee principles at Lions too with uh, with Dip Davis with uh, uh, 34 Wham. Yeah. Uh, out of wing slot, not out of the eye when the backs were offset. Yeah. I mean that was that was wing tee, a wing tee wing set, you know. So Now as you mentioned it. Matter of fact that's when we for
0: some odd reason they wanted us to line up at receiver in a uh in a <laughs> in a three point stance. Never understood that, <laughs> that, that that principle. But um but yeah that that that's crazy. It's crazy that you say that. Now because I, I wanna say like we really didn't see too much of uh, option based So I think we played coffee. They they ran the option. Um everybody had like a couple option plays, but this straight option um like we really didn't see too much of that. So is the wing tea is that considered like an option based or
1: no? No, no, it's not. The wing T itself is a, is a is a series based system. It's not Uh, you know, it's uh, you want the plays to look alike, you know, so it's all tagged in series. Uh, You, it definitely you can run option out of it, but we're not split back beer like Thomas County Central or or Flex Bone or or anything like that, which is uh which is a hybrid off of the wing tee, but um, it's it's not uh it's not um it's something Tubby Raymond came up with at Delaware. Uh, many years ago, basically off of the Notre Dame box and the single wing, they they kind of, you know, tweaked it and, uh, and um, you know, again, Coach McPherson and Rob Armstrong taught it to me, and uh, and again, they did it, it in a simple way. I thought it was, I really did, I thought it was like the dumbest thing I'd ever seen until until we got on the field and, and, and started practicing it and realizing the, how easy it was to call plays, because by that time, I was calling, you know, I started calling the plays on the ninth grade, probably 2003, probably the year after that, uh, you know, for the ninth grade team and, and say so just how easy it was, um, you know, to to, to kind of get what you, what you wanted and, and manipulate things. And, again, I'm sure everybody feels that way. I'm sure spread coaches feel the same way, um, you know, so, um, you know, I, I just – I've gotten – I've gotten I've gotten fond of it because i, I found out this: you've either got to be better or different to be successful in your region. You've either got to be better than them with better players, better coaches, better resources, you know, or or you got to be different, you know. And and uh, I've chosen the different route, even though we have good resources and good players here, here at Teohanna. and uh, you know, we had them at Camden as well and at Lounge, You know, I mean, just because. You know, it, it's not an offense that you run just because you have bad players. Or bad, you know, you saw what it, you know, at, at Lowndes, they went on a run in, in 2004, 2005, 2007. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was, you know, they had good players. It's it's hard nose and again, it's hard to prepare for. You get three days for 15- and 16-year-olds to prepare for. It. Shoot, you all had to prepare for it with, against Warner Robbins and Southwest of Cab. You know, Southwest the captain don't turn the ball over so many times. You know, it might be a different story when we played them. No, you didn't. Y'all didn't play. That was '99, so that was two years after we graduated, or whatever. But uh, two seasons after. But uh, it's, it, it's 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 tough for it's not tough for coaches. You know, it's tough for players.
0: Now, this is what I'm gonna say, right? About the the wing tee, and it the success is is there. The proof is in the pudding. You got Lyons, uh was it Three and four, or with four and five, seven, and then you got Camden. They went. On, he was at Camden. They won it in 09 and 2008. 89. Eight nine. Eight and nine. Then Grayson, who ran the wing tee, went on to win it again, like the two years in mm-hmm. a row. Uh, the next two years, so that was a, a decade of dominance when it <laughs> when it comes to the highest classification in in football. So. Now let me ask you this question, Mo. And I'm a uh, and, well, it, it can it can go around the room. I said when Gregory that class that Gregory was in that that that, that class, I said that it didn't matter what offense they ran. They had enough talent on that team. They 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 could line up and, and, and beat anybody, whether it was the wing team, whether they if they wanted to get fancy and line up in the shotgun and go gun, or if they wanted to. Um, just stay in power eye and run eye formation. They had enough talent on that team. Do you believe the same thing? Well,
2: here's what I'll say. Uh, Short answer, yes. But longer answer, no matter what type of offense they were running, they had to be entrenched in it and they had to be uh, uh, deeply rehearsed. Like It had to be something that they knew like the back of their hand. I think it's it's probably a misconception to assume that just because you got a great read or you know, all of these great players or Telvin Smith, whoever it may be, that you can just plug and play uh in any system. I think you need to master the system. Right. Uh and if you if you master the system, then yeah, any system those those guys would have been successful.
1: Um, that's what I think. Right. What you got, Jason? Well, I I would I would suggest that the two thousand nine uh lounge team had more talent than the 2017 Um they just didn't have the dominant player that Greg Reed was. Greg Reed was a difference maker. You know, he was the best player on the field. Um I had to coach I unfortunately had to coach against both of them at the time, you know, and, and watch it. And uh I think definitely they would be successful if they ran the gun. I don't remember who the quarterback was, you know, again you gotta have a good trigger, man, because yeah. just because Greg Reed's, you know, good. Again, they beat us. They beat us ten to ten to three. Uh, they beat us ten to three, and uh, you know, Greg Reed got him down there to kick the field goal or whatever, or maybe it was fourteen to three, and then Greg Reed caught the halfback pass from from Gerald Demps, You know, <laughs> like he he scored both their touchdowns or or whatever, and they lined him up in the gun Tebow, they would call it Tebow formation or whatever. Cause that was when Tim Tebow was at Florida and he'd run, you know, off tackle one way or the other. And every time they snapped it to him, you he held your breath. So, uh, if, if he got, you know, seven yards, you know, you were, it was a win because <laughs> he didn't score. Uh, but he, you know, he was dynamic, but I think the 2019 had more overall talent. Uh, they definitely have more NFL players, uh, you know, and more college players than the 2017 did, you know. Yeah. And if you if you remember 2006, they didn't even make the playoffs, you know, when those kids were, you know, uh, juniors, I believe. Because um, I left in 2000 and uh, – I left in 2006, so they were sophomores. They were yeah. sophomores, uh, Gregory and them. They didn't make the playoffs. So I guess that was uh, the Buss' senior year, yeah. uh, DeVarious Leonard.
0: So, now, now I'm a you, sp, you say the bus you make me think about Ryan and uh, shout out to Ryan and the uh, Ryan has joined as well. Um, and Ryan always said because that's Ryan's class. You know he graduated with with Greg and all, everybody. And he likes he likes to always say they would have beat y'all. They would have beat y'all. And I'm gonna I'm gonna be the first one to tell you I ain't giving up nothing. Like <laughs> like I I ain't giving up nothing. Um, so just yes, I, I let it go. Jason, could we beat him? Could our team beat him?
1: The 07 team, we'd had to hurt Greg Reed, but I, I think 05 is the best team. I think the 05 team is the best team that's come through there, period. Yeah. Um. You know, even though they lost to Ware County, they lost to Ware County because, you know, they they weren't, you know, they were feeling themselves a little bit. They weren't practicing hard and things like that, just because, you know, again, you want it in no 04, you're running rough shot over everybody, you know, you can. You know, you kinda get complacent and where county refocused them. I I I don't know. I, I don't think we could have beat the 05 team. We might could have beat the O seven team, but you gonna have to look, you know, he was Delrick Bradley speed, but uh well, I can't remember this. maybe CJ Webb was at him, he was real quick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you yeah, know, yeah. like like he was a combination, like Greg Reed could get to full speed in two steps and we had i mean again we had good play you know Tyron Wright was fast Morris is fast Derrick's fast but but i mean again i don't think Derrick could get the to top speed in in two steps you know i mean he was he, he was freaking it was just different he was different and again i got to coach him as a ninth grader he's the best ninth grade player i've ever coached he was i mean by far we would hand the ball to Gerald a lot more than we handed it to Greg but whenever we handed it to Greg it was a home run it was an explosive um that's what that's what I remember and I don't remember much because it's so long ago it feels like <laughs> but um you know that I just remember uh you know again he was one of the best high school football players you know Daryl is still the best high school football player I've ever seen <laughs> but he's one he's one, uh, Reed's one of them so.
0: Yeah, I still got the knot on my head I, from Daryl Morrell. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah.
1: And RIP CJ to, might have CTE from crack
0: blocking him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> RIP to Levon Morrell. Uh, that's Daryl's uh, older brother. Um, he passed away. Um, had, had his services, so, and, and Levon was a real good dude. Uh, I, I remember he was always quiet, but I remember doing one of Miller's famous hit somebody's. Uh, <laughs> I I had the misfortune of running into Levon, and yeah, I, I just know I was looking up at the sky. So, <laughs> so yeah, man. Um, so let all right. So let me ask you this question. So, so you say Greg is the uh, um one of the best football players you've ever seen in the state of Georgia, um, or just been around. So, as a running back, right? And this is what I, I tell people. I say Greg is like the most the the best all around football player I've ever seen, right? But as a running back, I kind of give that nod to 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 maybe Joe Burns. Uh maybe. Um yeah. Joe Burns he's just different type just
1: different type of back. Yeah. You know. You know, yeah, Greg was shifty and fat. You know, I, and Joe Burns was hitting everything downhill, split back beer. He was running over you and and he could run past you. Yeah. Greg Reed was just shifty. You know, in my opinion. But I didn't watch Joe Burns that much. You know, I was on offense. I didn't have to tackle him.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like like we had uh, – more more to tell you, like we had uh, just just that one half of a game. But I just remember, like, Joe Burns was different. You know, you can tell somebody's different. Joe Burns was – he was one of those dudes that was different. So just on the high school level mode and I, I let it go around the room, even Deron take crack at this too. Who's the best high school running back you ever seen?
2: Best high school running back? Uh, I don't know, man. That's a, like have, have a baseball uh, scene. Played against, seen, or? Um, if I had to say that I've seen, if I'm just talking highlights, anybody from anywhere, uh, I don't know if y'all ever had a chance to look at Reggie Bush uh, high school highlights, um, but that's that's pretty that's pretty easy to uh, to 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 say he's probably one of the best. But if I'm talking about guys that I played against, I don't I don't really remember uh, running backs being that. I mean, I'm not trying to slight anybody, but I, I just I can't I can't recall any of the running backs that we played against that were on that level.
0: Um, I will say one. I will throw a name out there. Who? Nate Rogers. Who? Nate Rogers.
2: Nate Rogers is a really good, really good running back, man. But I, I mean, again, no, you know, no, no, no slight against him. But if I'm talking elite, like for example, uh, Greg Reed. Yeah. If we're talking Greg Reed level, I just, I cannot. I didn't.
0: I didn't play. a have of those guys. Yeah, right, fair enough. But you got, DeRon.
1: Okay. Reggie Reg, Reg Bush, wing T offense. By the way.
0: He was in the wing team.
1: I'm 80 percent sure he was in the wing team <laughs> in high school. <laughs> out there in California. Out there in. Um... That was a long time ago, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was out there in San Diego.
0: Yeah, San Diego.
3: Hey, my bad. Can y'all hear me? I'm shadowing the AD man. So uh, at uh, the women's yeah. basketball game right now. Okay. Uh, but the best running back. Uh, best probably the best running back. I saw footage of. Uh, down south. He would have been in our class, uh, Robert Gillespie out of uh um, out of Hattiesburg. Like Robert Gillespie they ended up going like to Florida. Like, I played against no,
2: I, I played against him in Florida. I mean
3: But scary. he had but he had, had two blown knees by the time he was getting PT at, but like straight up like just playing like New Orleans football, like him, uh your boy Dennis Johnson that you played with, um uh, like, were the two most hype dudes I remember from like class of ninety eight. Uh, best I've seen with my own two eyes. Well, that's that's kind of hard cause it's a it's a kid out of uh, Houston. I can't remember his name, but I saw him the first year I moved out here. I think dude had 3,900 yards, and he just decided to sit out his senior year because he had already committed to Texas. So he should be a freshman at Texas I think next year. So he he's pretty good. Like he's probably the best I've seen. Like with my own two. Well, since I wear glasses, my own two.
0: Gotcha,
3: Um, gotcha, and uh, I was surprised nobody. Yeah, hey, no, I'm gonna say, uh, yeah, Jason, my man. Uh, Pat Good, he talked over there at Spartanburg. He said uh, y'all pretty good, man. Y'all pretty young, but y'all got a real, 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 real bright future.
1: Yeah, yeah, they put us out of the playoffs this year. You know, yeah, a, he made sure to tell me to remind you that. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
1: oh, you ain't got to remind me. I'm, I, I watched the film over and over again. We we didn't have we didn't have some of them. Cat, they had a 305 pound nose guard that was. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, yeah, they're good. So, hey, but hey, the good thing about it is maybe we'll see them again. <laughs> yeah, I will, man. Yeah. So um. the best running back I coached against there was two when we were at Camden. Alvin Kamara put us out of the playoffs at Norcross. He was freaking good. Yeah. And then uh, I can His name is escaping me. He went to the Miami Dolphins. Played at Alabama, but he played at Hillcrest. Or oh, you uh, talking about Kenyon Drake? Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drake was freaking another level. And them two, <laughs> Kenyon Drake beat us by himself, and Alvin Kamara beat him by beat us by himself. So them, them two were, were really good. Gregory's the best high school football player, you know. Overall, like you know, again he had great ball skills. You didn't, you ain't kicking it to him because it's going back. And then you know, but Kamara was just offensively like running back wise. Golly, a load too. He's like two hundred twenty five pounds.
2: I saw Kamara when they played um uh, in Norcross. They, they beat Lyons in the playoffs, and that team was loaded.
1: When, yes. I,
2: when, when I say loaded, that Warcross team was loaded, loaded. I mean, they had D1 talent. I think on defense, they probably had six or seven
3: D1 uh,
0: players
3: on defense. Just on defense. Hey, man, how did we, how did we forget the original uh, viral YouTube uh, high school running back? Devon Noel, man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah his his tape was, was, was impressive. Imp- That's
3: true. Super impressive.
0: And you know, like, I remember the first tape I saw, like, or the first running back like when we were coming along it was just around the region I remember they used to talk about uh Cedric Tyson Lewis Smith that combination out of coffee um the the kids with the red shoes and then but I remember like the first big superstar was like Jasper Sinks Um was the one that I I just remember like everybody was talking about. Hey that's that guy. That's that guy. And then um Jamal uh oh man, Jamal Lewis. Jamal Lewis, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he was tough. He
2: was tough. Yeah. So you, Did you play against him? Uh, so I was a freshman when we when he was at Tennessee. I didn't necessarily play against him. We played him, but I wouldn't I, I wouldn't get much uh, playing times. Gotcha. Um, but but he, he was quick though to be that big. He was very quick.
0: Gotcha. All right. And so, Jason, I'm I'm gonna shoot this question to you. So from the time that we, since we graduated, which was, you know, last time we played a high school game was 97 up until now. So what's the biggest changes in, that you've seen occur when it comes to high school football?
1: Um, uh, the evolution of the passing game in Georgia, I mean, is tremendous. You know, um, the rules have changed, you know, to to cater to the offense, which is fine. I'm an offensive coach, but you know, so I'm not upset about it. But uh, I tell you some other rules. Uh, okay, the safety rules, like, okay, I know for a fact that Morris Lane was uh was coached to to hunt the pile, and if you were standing around the pile, you know, you were going to just knock them out with well, that. You know, they did away with they don't you don't do that anymore right? You can't do that anymore. Yeah. Uh, uh back blocks, you know, blindside blocks, you know, those things that people live for, you know, you can't do those anymore, you know, and, and all the kids, you know, like having to coach that out of kids, because again, we play an aggressive sport full of testosterone wanting to, you know, destroy the other guy. And when you get that free shot, man, it's hard to pass it up and just sit there and, like, basketball pick them or put your hands in there or even lead with your hands because you can lead with your hands. But, uh, you know, again, coaching that part of it is is hard. And then defensively, coaching to cover the pass while the linemen are three yards downfield is extremely difficult defensively. Um, It has changed the game tremendously. Um, And and so those those are some – yeah, they get three yards. They get three yards. for what RPOs, you, you get three yards, quarterback's reading it. And oh, wow. so you can read a daggum safety to throw the poster out, and, and the lineman still ain't downfield yet. You know, and, and it happens so much, and some teams are really good at it. But man, half the team's the linemen are five and six yards downfield and they still don't get called and you're just like, Come on, man. Come on, man. The guy's the guy's six yards downfield.
0: He's you know,
1: he's blocking my safety while you know he's <laughs> blocking my safety while you're throwing the post. You know, so you know, those things. And I tell you what's what's a beneficial change and it was just this year, is allowing the high school kid to throw the ball away, you know, because Uh, you know, they talk about player safety, player safety. And with the one person that, you know, they didn't protect really in high school was the quarterback. You know, you couldn't throw it away. You're running for your life and you couldn't throw it away. Even if you were out of the pocket and they changed that rule this year uh, in South Carolina. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a national federation rule that they changed. And so it's everywhere that uh, if they get out of the pocket, they can throw it away. So. Gotcha. All right. Um,
0: So what's, What's next for T.L. Hanna? Like, uh, I know you're going in the spring, um, and I know you say you're going to, you know, just refocus. And so what what are the biggest strides that you, like, when, you, when you're talking about just improving your overall team? Uh, where do you, where you think the biggest, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The biggest area of opportunity when it comes for, to T.L. Hanna?
1: Well, I mean, we were, we were 10 and two this year, you know, we graduated 41 seniors the year before. So we had a huge senior class, the biggest class in, in the history of Tiana, and we replaced them with a small class of 23, which is the smallest class we've had in my six years of being here. Um, and so uh, we played a lot of juniors and sophomores uh, just honestly. So, uh, we lose three, uh, three defensively and three offensively. So, you know, the biggest thing, stride wise, and I told our kids is I think in order to win it all, you have to be a top three or four team in the state. You know, I think realistically, you got to be a top three or four team. And I and I'm doing reflecting and things, uh, and having been able to go there and, and being a part of teams that have won it. You know, as an assistant. You don't always have to be the very best team to win it all. The very best team doesn't always win it all, you know, because I th- I, I, you can't tell me we weren't the best team in the state in 98 and we didn't win it all. It's the team that plays the best that wins. But I think you've got to be in that top three or four in order to compete with the one. And I, I, it, It's a, you know, I think you've got to, and I think right now, T.O. Hannah we're six, 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 seven, or 8 right now. So we've got to find a way. To move to move the needle three or four spots to give us a chance to to compete for it, but in order to do that again, it's our kids got to get you know bigger, faster, stronger. Just like you know we talk about the weight room, the, the speed training we do, which is another thing that's changed. Uh, you know, you know as far as the evolution of teaching speed, you know, and not just being God-given speed. Um, those things, uh, you know, for Tl Hanna, we've just got to you know, we've got to buy into those things and, and, and I'm blessed. Our kids are, are unbelievable. So as far as we don't have great, great, great athletes, we don't have, we don't have great size. Um, but we have really good players that play really hard, you know? And so that's, uh, that's a good combination. So we've got to, we've just got to find a way to, to, um, get a little bit stronger. We weren't big on the defense line. We're still not going to be big. You know, we graduated all our size two years ago. So uh, the same D-line that played last year is the same D-line that's coming back. And, you know, the biggest guy is about 260 pounds, you know, and the other ones are like 230, you know. So when you're going up against linemen that are 320, 310, you know, it's like the kids have gotten so much bigger since when we played, it feel like. Um, that, Everybody's
0: like Brooklyn. You know, it's
1: just – say what?
0: Everybody's brookwood now on the line
1: yeah i mean you know and so we've got those same guys so they gotta get strong because they're not gonna get that much bigger as far as like you know you can't go from 260 to 300 pounds and still be able to play in one year you're not gonna gain 40 pounds and be able to move and function you know you'll look like me and you'll get rolled off the ball and it'll be a problem so uh you know it's just the buy-in to to get a little bit stronger and the little things and i think Again, our kids are willing to do that. And that's the message I told them after we lost the, the day after. That's what, that was exactly what I told them that the, we lost to Spartanburg on Friday and on Monday, you know, hey, we had a great season, but you know, again, uh, we're not in it to win region championships, which Tio Hannah won many region championships. It's kind of funny, you know, the Tio in the history of football has won 11 region championships. That's it. And four of them have happened. Since Coach Heron took over in 2017, so it's uh, maybe uh, no they've won they've won 15 and four of them have happened since. So it's it's uh, uh, it's not like it's not like it was a, a decade uh, you know decades of dominance. Yeah. So you know them just getting you know that growth part of it. I think has been uh, Hannah's had great players now. I mean Ben Bowler played great at Clemson uh martavis bryant and you know played at till hannah you know what i mean they they've had some some talent and some nfl talent uh but they've never just really it's you know the 70s they played really well you know back when you know radio and all that was made uh they they, they were really good um and and uh, coach frazier had did a good job uh with them for a whole decade uh, but since then, it's been, you know, it's just been up and down. You know, it hadn't been, you know, you'll win six, seven, eight games, and then you'll go one and nine or, or two and eight or five and five. It's, you know, so it's, it's one of those things that I think our kids are buying into the it's a long answer to say we've got to continue to work harder in order to, <laughs> to, to close the gap. So, uh, me the, me. The, the the team the team in the team in South Carolina right now to catch is Dutch Ford. I mean they're just dominating everybody. So
3: gotcha.
1: uh, tell, them but, tell them to stop recruiting players. <laughs> well, I mean <laughs> unfortunately defense. you're going to have to deal with it. You know, I mean it's but I mean he's. The only the only loss they have this year is to that team out of Maryland. St. Francis uh, beat them. <laughs> That's their only loss. So, hey, um, I got a quick. Question.
3: I got a quick question, and I'm asking primarily the people I know that like coaching the high school. But what are the pros and the cons uh, that you've seen from your
1: perspective with seven oh seven and its influence on the high school game? Uh, Well, you know, again, people are going to knock me because I'm a wing T guy. So seven on sevens, you know, I'm not a big I'm not a huge fan of the travel seven on seven stuff. I, I really I'm really not, you know, seven on seven with your team, like in the summer, you know, it's great for the defense and the offense and things like that. But these travel seven on sevens, man, it's. Well, that's where a lot of the recruiting comes from that, you know, again, all these kids play with you. Hey, man, you're a good player. Why don't you come play at my place? You know, so a lot of that. And then it's not making you that much better because you're not getting chemistry with your guys. You know, I'm I'm running a poster out with a guy that's throwing me the ball that's not going to be throwing me the ball in August. And I just uh, I've had several colleges. I mean, I'm sure there's some, but most of the ones I ask, they don't look at the seven on seven stuff as far as like recruiting. You know what I mean? Like they hear their names because it's brought up a lot, but they don't watch the seven on seven films. You know, they they get the names and then they put on their tape. And usually, if they're doing good in seven on seven, well, they got a good Friday night tape as well. So um, it's kind of. I think the culture's gotten bad, too. It's more of a show-me-up than get better, you know, because everybody wants to make this one-handed catch and then tap their head in front of somebody and then, you know, get knocked out. I saw a kid get freaking punched and knocked out. I mean, I I, I absolutely hate doing doing seven-on-sevens in the summer with other teams because, again, our kids get pissed off. And I'm like, hey, guys, I mean, we're here to get better. We're not here to fight. You know, who cares? Who cares? He caught that touchdown. That's not going to win him a game. Heck, they won three games last year. They ain't going to win very many games. Don't <laughs> worry about them. You know, I mean, it's just that kind of stuff. But your competitors, uh, you know, your competitors, so you want to win. But, you know, again, it's just the culture that it has been created by. And again, a lot of the seven on seven coaches now, those travel ones are like trainers or, they're not even like high school coaches, you know what I mean? Uh, they're they're kind of community members or trainers, or you know, college college coaches call them handlers. So uh, that that kind of put them together and run those things. And and again, if it benefits the kid to, to go to college, then I'm I'm for it. But I don't see the benefit in it. Again, it might get their name noticed, but their Friday night films getting them recruited, not their seven on seven films. Got it. All right. So let me
0: actually. So speaking of recruiting. Um, if, if you if you had to speaking to the parents, um, and that's who kind of listen to this, uh, to this, this show, uh, what would you tell them? Hey, I got a kid; he's in the tenth grade, um, and I need I want I want to get him noticed. What are the top three things you're gonna communicate to that to that parent? Like, I'm, I'm not saying just not any kid, but he's pretty good, you know. Um, and they want to get him noticed. What are the top three things you're gonna tell? Them?
1: Grades, grades, grades. <laughs> the first thing they want is grades, yeah. all right? So uh, you can't dig yourself a hole. But the first thing that the colleges want to see is a transcript, you know, after they get the name. You know, so if, if Armand's a good player, all right, and I'm saying, well, you know, you need to take a look at, at Armand. And uh, and he's going to be like, well, well what's, his, what's his GPA? That's the next question, you know, because they want to know if they can get him in. So grades is the first and foremost, all right? And then if I'm a sophomore, then I need to I need to go go on on the college campus in the summer, you know that that's changed a lot too. Where uh, you know you, they want to see you on their campus doing on the field drills or whatever, uh, so they can see you move, see you live, things of that nature. So that would be the second is pick you know four or five schools that you need that you want to go to and get on campus and, and and work out in front of in front of their coaches uh, because used to. They would they would be there, but the GAs and and like high school coaches would run the camps. With NCAA outlawed, high school coaches can't run those camps anymore. So the colleges have to actually run it. So those college coaches can see you, you go to a you go to a combine. College coaches can't attend that, you know. But if you go to uh, their their campus or a uh, mega camp, you know, like Kennesaw State will do a mega camp or Mercer will do a mega camp, and they'll be like. 25 colleges there and they can watch you work out and do combine stuff. So that would be the the second most important thing. And then you got to make plays, you know, you got to have film, you know, it's uh, if you're saying they're, they're a good player, you know, it doesn't have to be by your sophomore year. You know, again, if you're a five-star four-star guy, you know, then you're going to have, you're going to be making plays by your sophomore year. But if you're, you know, you've got to get on the field and make plays again. And the recruiting process, I've seen that change so much, you know, since the early 2000s, you know, with huddle and making film more accessible and things like that. You, if you're good, you'll get noticed because there's film out there everywhere. So you, you've got to have the film, you know, and that, that's kind of, you know, grades is most important. You need to get You need to get on campus. It's never too early to get on campus and and uh, get seen by them. and then you, you got to make plays on the field. You know, it's kind of I tell I tell uh, our parents all the time, I can't I can't make a coach offer you a scholarship, right? That's <laughs> they're they're making that decision, right? It's kind of like it's kind of like, you know, first of all they they're based on needs. If they don't need a running back, they're not going to recruit you if you're a running back. I mean, it's just bottom line, they they're not going to do it. And then, you know, again, they've got you got to build a relationship with them. It's kind of like it's kind of like date, you know, dating a girl or a court, a court in a female. You gotta, you know, you've got to, they've got to like you and and want and want to offer you. How are you separating yourself from everybody else? And you know, that's that's a hard process. And with the the COVID year, uh, set things back. Uh, you know, giving everybody an extra year that that affects four classification or four classes. Um, and then uh, and then the transfer portal. For all the good that it does, you know, the, the one it harms is the high school kid. So, uh, makes it even harder for high school kids to get to get offered. So, it's just I told we have a we have a good tight end, you know, and again he's an offensive lineman, but he plays tight end. Um, he's you know he's six four, he's two hundred forty five pounds, good player, and I and I, I use this as an example in front of our whole team. I said, if I'm Clemson. And Clemson doesn't use the transfer portal, so this is all hypothetical. But if I'm Clemson and I and, and I need an offensive lineman, am I going to take a chance and develop Zach Ramsey, who's our tight end? Am I am I going to develop him and take a chance on him, or am I going to look and see this sophomore that's got uh, played at Nebraska, he's got uh, ten Big Ten starts or Big Twelve starts, uh, and he's unhappy and he's in the portal? Well, I'm going to look at that kid because he's he's played big time football for 12 games, and he's got three years left. You know, uh, I, I'll look at him before I look at Zach Ramsey because I I'm gambling on Zach more than I'm gambling on this kid because he's actually played and I can see college football film of him, and that's how the game has changed with the transfer portal. Is colleges now have to decide? Am I going to develop a young a young guy? Or am I gonna go for the ready-made MBA uh type type guy? You know, the hey that I know this guy's gonna be a one year and gone. I'm gonna go for that, I'm gonna do this and, and win now. And the way the contracts are, if you don't win now, you're fired. So yeah. I mean, you know, you can't blame the college coach for doing that. And I'm not saying it's anybody's fault, it's just what happened, you know, it's kinda Hey, this is a positive. We got the transfer portal. We don't. The NCAA doesn't want to make a decision whether or not this guy's eligible or not because of his move. Okay, it all started with uh, with with Justin Fields was granted, and another kid. This is what the tip of the iceberg. Another kid was trying to transfer because, like his 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 grandmother. grandmother or his mom was like deathly ill, and he needed to get back closer and take care of her. And they they made him ineligible. They said no. They they and so it was a big backlash. And so the NCAA basically wiped their hands of it. Is basically the end result. Uh, people can say what they want, but they're just like, look, you get one transfer, you know, no harm, no foul. We don't even have to look on it. And and that's how it, that's how it came about. You know, yeah. uh, the high school kid and the junior college kid are the two are the two kids that are getting hurt by the transfer portal. And again, it's not. I'm not knocking it. Anytime you have a positive, the, there's another side to it as well, and that's that's the negative of it. So
0: Robin, like sort of like Robin of the paypal. So let's speak to the NCAA um, college football playoffs. So we got Georgia 1, Michigan 2, TCU 3, USC 4, Ohio State 5, Alabama 6. And is everybody in agreement with that? Yes or no, or you think it should be somewhere around? Is that as of tonight? As of tonight. I'm cool with it. Um, I think it
2: settles itself. We do this every year, and I think the teams actually end up playing themselves in or out. Like, if you would have had this conversation last week. It would have looked a whole lot different before South Carolina got their hands on a a contender, before Oregon State got involved, before, you know, all of these upsets started happening. So I I really don't have a problem with it right now. Um, LSU was in the mix. You know, they kind of got eliminated. So I don't have a problem with it. Uh, Alabama is number six, you said?
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And so and and, that, and that's why I like that sixth spot. Like I, I'm not sure if I like Alabama at six. I think you can make an argument that Penn State could be at six, since the only two losses are to Ohio State and, and Michigan. Uh who else could you put possibly put at six? Um I don't know who else, to be honest with you. Maybe Tennessee. At six, maybe.
3: Maybe. No, no, no. South Carolina. So, dismantle them.
0: So even though... So are you telling me even though that Tennessee beat Alabama, you still rank them higher?
2: Well, it's sometimes just the way you get beat. And if you look at how Alabama got beat versus the way Tennessee got beat, I, I personally, when people talk about the high test, I think you have to factor in the way you got beat if, if that's important. Um, all losses are not equal just like all wins are not equal. So... If I'm looking at Tennessee and the way they got bludgeoned by South Carolina and lost this Heisman candidate quarterback, I just don't see that team being um,
1: in the mix.
0: All right? What you got, Jason?
1: I got TCU at four, and I think TCU gets beat by K-State this weekend. So, um, oh, yeah, I, I think, you know, again, I think, again, I'm not. I'm not knocking TCU at all. They they they've been playing good football. So is K State. So uh, I got Alabama at five. Um, you know, again, Tennessee not. I don't think they're in the conversation because a quarterback towards ACL. You know, they're a different team with the other quarterback than they are with, with Hooker. So, um, you know, in uh, Ohio State again, it's the way you got beat. You know, uh, Alabama lost by like one score at the end of the game to two times. Whereas Ohio State got bludgeoned by Michigan, you know, and then another one, you know, USC's been doing well. Uh, but if I'm not mistaken, don't they have Utah again this weekend? Yeah, yeah. I mean, play Utah's Friday one. Night. They beat the crap out of them. <laughs> so uh, don't you know? It, you know, TCU and USC both could have losses, and I'm not saying it'll happen. But I have USC at three because I think they're really good. I think Utah just is a tough matchup for for them. I think Utah is a tough matchup for a lot of teams uh, when you play, you know, on you know Saturday nights, Friday nights, or whatever. You got them dead on Samoans and Tongans, and they're freaking strong and tough and physical. Man, they're always good, uh, you know. And again. And, and and it has to be said as well. It's kind of like BYU. A lot of them are, you know, twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight years old because they're they're Mormon and they've been on their mission first and then come back to school. So, you know, a lot of that, you know, they're they're just old. Uh, they're just grown men. Yeah. You know, you got an eighteen year old playing against a twenty six year old. That's a, that's an issue. You know, um, <laughs> so. uh, uh
0: so that's, that's, you know, that's okay. yeah. <laughs> 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 the minute, just turned 40. So. Hey man, look, <laughs> lay, lay off the mailman, lay off the mailman. You know, uh, that's my guy. The mailman is my guy. So, uh, Hey, well, you know what? This, this is what I say. I got, I'm, I'm okay with it. I think it, uh, if, if they would have had Michigan at one and Georgia at two, I was still okay with it. And, uh, I I will have TCU at three just because they are undefeated, and then USA at the fourth slot, and whoever and then Ohio State at five. I can't see I can't put Alabama above Ohio State with the two losses. I'm sorry, I just can't do it. I can't justify it. But that's just uh that's just what I got. So we got about two minutes left. Two minutes left in this thing, and uh, just real quick around the room, Heisman. Who, who who If if it ended today, who's your husband pick? We start with Mo, then De'Ron and Jason.
2: And look, got to be Caleb Williams. Got to be Caleb Williams. I watched uh, Caleb Williams a couple of games, and I want to say in the past four or five games, he's, he's been on uh, uh, fire. I'm talking 300 yards passing, at least two touchdowns um, minimum in every game. Uh, it's got to be Caleb Williams. But I do want to say this before I pass him. Earlier in the season, I was a Bo Nix guy. And y'all gave me a hard time because Bo Nix got beat by Georgia, but then he went on a run, right? He had about a five-game run, but Bo Nix was looking looking really good. The only difference between Bo Nix and Caleb Williams, obviously Caleb Williams plays for a better team, but his run happened at the right time. And he had his highs in the moment at the right time. Whereas Bo Nicks ended up, you like, know, getting beat by Oregon State
0: and the rest is history. But um, so Kayla Williams is my guy right now. Got gotcha. All right, De'Ron, 15 seconds. Who you got?
3: So, uh, I got Kayla Williams. One was never going to be Bo Nix. <laughs> you, you notice when the competition got stiffer, Bo Nix, he still performed, but you
1: know, Bo Nix going to Bo Nix.
0: All right, Jason, 15 seconds. Who's Jonathan?
1: I'm with with them. I think, you know, I think the Ohio State quarterback, uh, Shroud, I think he, you know, if he'd had a really good game against Michigan, I think he could have been in the conversation. But I think the USC quarterback has just separated himself from everybody.
0: All right. And this is my surprise pick. I think it is Caleb Williams. However, if TCU wins and Max Duggan balls out, Give it the max. That's all I'm gonna say. But listen, man, it's been great. It's been fun. Uh, the beard always wins. Movement lifestyle. More importantly, it's a podcast. And as always, as we always say, as we before we leave, go Vikings and. Uh,